welcome to this scroll, the podcast where we study the Bible while teaching people how to study the Bible so that they can read their Bible, not just as information, but as food for their soul. Uh, recording with me again today is Mr. Matt Rao. Hey, what's up? Julia Miller. How's it going? Jessica Miller. Howdy. And myself, Eric Miller. Uh, today we are in Philippians chapter 3, verses 17 through 21, and then we're also probably going to wander in to chapter 4, verse 1, as that seems to be... Uh, kind of the flow of thought um, of this section. Let me read it. We'll get into it. Philippians chapter 3, verse 17. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. They glory in their shame. Their minds are set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my beloved brothers, whom I love and long for my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Boom. Initial observations. What do you what do you see? What jumps out at you? Anything? There's a really big contrast. Let me tee it up. Let me give you some some uh let me lead you to the answer. Um, what, what, <laughs> there, there, there's a really big, there's a really big contrast. Okay, uh, kind of in it. You, you have this is um, one of the things you want to look for as you study the scriptures is comparisons, but also contrasts. Again, you want to look for the verbs. You want to look for uh, the images. There's quite a bit of imagery, and there's one major contrast. The and usually uh, uh, contrasts are set apart by the all important word but, and you see that. In verse 20, he says, but our citizenship is in heaven, and, and that indicates a contrast with what, with what just came before. And so he's kind of contrasting here these two kingdoms and these two citizenships, uh, if, if that makes sense. And so um, that's kind of where he's, where he's going. But let's go back and let's start in verse, in verse 17, and let's just look at uh, these straightforward, very simple, and yet we don't want to blow by them, um, kind of commands that he gives. Um, brothers, he says, join in imitating me. That's a command, okay? And keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you have in us. Um, I'm not looking for anything super profound here, but what is he saying? Paraphrase that verse for me. Verse 17. Walk in the gospel. Walk in the gospel. And, and how? What is going to help us to do that? By fixing your eyes on... Well, Paul, in this case, yeah, and so again, it's, it's very straightforward. Uh, again, I'm not trying; it's not a trick question. Um, but um, it, well, I think we talked on the last podcast. Like, do we want to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith? Yeah, absolutely. But we also need to be able to just fix our eyes on people that we that Can we see. see. Now, mm -hmm. again, not as our obviously as our Lord and Savior. There's only one. Jesus, the Christ, um, he is one of one in a category all by himself, the God-man, um, creator of all things. Um, but we need, we need real-life examples of what it looks like to follow Jesus. Can I get an amen? Amen. Okay. Oh, you guys were on that. Good job. <laughs> um, I, I guess, uh, I, I think this is, uh, again, a very simple yet very important and underappreciated and probably not very well followed commandment. I think people long for this. I think people long for examples to imitate. Um, 
I think there's a couple of reasons why we struggle to do this. One is, and this is my, people may disagree with this, I think we are living in an age of where it's like a discipleship epidemic, okay? You guys familiar, the thing I usually compare to, you guys familiar with like the like the AIDS epidemic that happened in Africa, you know, back in like yeah. the 80s and stuff like that. What you have is you had now a ton of children uh, who were children then who grew up without parents because their parents died. And you now have kids growing up who don't know what it's like to be a parent because they never had parents, right? Um, and again, that, that, can be, that can be learned. It's not the end of the, of the world. However, um, in the same way in the church, I, I think we're trying to make disciples without most of us ever having really been discipled. I think we sat through a lot of Sunday school classes. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think many of us went to a lot of church services, Sunday morning, Sunday night, maybe even Wednesday night youth group. But I don't think that that is apples to apples with what the New Testament holds out as the the idea of discipleship, where we have somebody truly walk with us and they allow us to see their life in an up close and personal way uh, that they're not afraid to say, hey, follow me as I'm trying to follow Christ. Yes. Mm-hmm. I want to plus one what you said about, um, you know, and when I think about the word imitating, you think about like copying or just following. There's this imagery of like you're following them very closely. And I think what discipleship misses a lot of times is like, oh, we're just going to have coffee and that's discipleship or we're just going to, you know, and that's one way of doing discipleship. But I think for me, there's been someone in my life who has allowed me fully into her life and where I see, you know, like I see her imperfections. And I think that's very important because disciples are not going to be perfect. And yet I also see within her, her deep desire more than anything to follow Christ. And that is what I'm able to see because she allows me into her life and I want to imitate that. Yeah, that's good, man. Yeah. I, I like how the NIV puts it. Um, it says, and take note of those who live according to the pattern he gave you. Um, I just think it, it, it pattern, yeah. there's something about that word that popped out of me um, as I was looking at this, that, you know, it is, it is seeing people actually live their real life. It's not just their church life of like, you know, being a good Sunday school teacher, but like, like you said, the imperfections, we all have them. Mm-hmm. Um, we all Im- imperfectly follow Jesus, but we can follow him. Yeah. Yes. We can, we can imitate and we can follow and um, seeing that pattern that she has laid out before me, it, it helps me. It, it greatly encourages me because it gives me this pattern. And when I think of pattern, I think of like a sewing pattern, you know, that you're, you're following a pattern. It gives me a pattern in which to sew my life and form my life. Not that I want everything to be exactly similar, but in her walk with Christ, I do want to, I notice that pattern and I see it and I want to imitate it in my own life. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is the process of discipleship. I, I think, I don't think that it's impossible, but I think that we have to be honest about where we're at. Um, just as a whole, and I'm talking like real big picture, kind of broad strokes Christianity now. Um, the other side of this is, so, so one of, well, let me pause here. So one of the problems is what we just said is that many times there aren't really great examples to follow, it seems. The other part of it is that um, 
we don't we have many times people who aren't willing to to be that example even mm-hmm. though they know they're going to do it imperfectly again if you remember the passage we looked at last time you know Paul's like look not that I've already obtained it or have been made perfect like that's the attitude we need to have like but hey I'm I'm pressing on come on follow me and follow those who have this attitude because remember from last time that those of us who are mature uh think this way and it, it's kind of the same idea here and I think that so if I can try to go back and tie in with that the uh the metaphor that I kind of used of like the the AIDS epidemic or whatever in African like a whole generation you know growing up without parents it's like but it's not that those 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 kids that grew up without parents and are parents now or are are adults now it's not that they can't be parents they gotta but they're kind of starting from scratch they gotta they gotta go after it and they gotta and they gotta figure it out and i feel like that's where we're at like as a church kind of big picture as well too is like hey okay so we weren't discipled growing up but that doesn't mean like we're gonna we're gonna just continue with the way things are, like, or, or the way things were, or what we knew. Like, we gotta, we gotta get our eyes on Jesus. We gotta get back in the Word. We gotta seek out people um, that are that are mature. And again, I don't want to make it sound like this, like we're just looking for these perfect, super spiritual people. I'm just saying that, like, sometimes I see a lot of people like kind of punt on the idea that they need to be an example. So, um, I, I want to be. I don't know, gracious and gentle. I'm 42. I hope I can be an example to those that are younger than me and peers as well. But I'm trying to follow Jesus like everybody else. But I also, though, like there are men and women in their 60s and in their 70s. And a very, I think it's a very fair challenge. Um, I, I want and would be open to the same thing when I'm that same age and even now. But like, hey, in your 60s, you should be leading us. Yes. Like, like you should, you like, like older women teach younger women, you know, Titus too, you know, um, older men show the younger men how to do this. Like, like the process of maturity and maturing in Christ, he does it. He gets the glory. It's a work of the word and the spirit mingled together. That is absolutely supernatural. Yet at the same time, it's not always this, great mystery like how do i grow why doesn't this you know it's like so many christians talk like that like i just can't i just can't grow well are you are you getting around god's people are you seeking out people to mentor you slash disciple you to teach you the word like if you want to grow by god's grace you can grow um okay am i getting i'm I'm getting a little ranty so foxy here but (laughs) no i was um, just gonna add to that actually add to the rant but on the flip side of that if you're not being discipled by someone who is further ahead of you in the Christian life, who is, you know, being a, a pattern and an imitator of Christ, albeit imperfectly, if you're not doing that, you're still getting discipled. It's just you're getting discipled by the world. That was an original quote for me. I think you may have said that before, uh, but I don't know. But well, but my point being is that like we are always being discipled by someone yeah. or something. And if you're not being actively discipled, you know, and given this pattern and imitator of Christ that you can follow, then it's going to be the world that you're going to be discipled by. Well, just you're completely basically summing up the flow of thought here from verse 17 to 18. So beginning of verse 18, you look at the word for. So he just said, you know, keep your eyes on myself. Keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example or the pattern, as Matt said, that you have in us. Why do we need to do that? Why is that so important? For there are many. There are many of whom I've often told you and now tell you, even with tears, 
walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. So, you know, to Jess's point that she was making here, we're always being discipled by somebody. And if we're not keeping our, if we're not intentional about keeping our eyes on Jesus and then on those that he's placed in and around our life who are mature and who are, and who have that attitude that Paul had that we looked at last time of pressing on, forgetting what lies behind, you know, um, just going after Jesus with all their might, then we're going to be discipled by those who walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. You're like, well, man, who are these guys? Who are the, who are these enemies? Well, it's pretty strong language. Verse 19, their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. And again, this idea here, it's not just like they're big eaters, you know, it's, it's the, like, of like any earthly worldly appetite is the idea. Their God is their belly and they glory in their shame and their minds are set on earthly things. Yeah. Um, so as, as you're reading that, I, all I can, I can think about is um, deny yourself and take up your cross daily. Yeah. And, 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 this is why they're an enemy of the cross because they don't want to deny themselves. They want self gratification. They want it their way. I want it my way, and I want it now. <laughs> is that, is that, wait, is that is that Burger King's? Slogan? I think. I think. <laughs> you're way, you're way right away at Burger King now. Yeah. 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 But that's that's what we want, and it it, it surpasses all culture in America. It's not just American culture. It is. It is culture upon culture upon culture because it's human nature to want what we want and we want it right now and I want it my way and I'm going to be self-centered about it. Yeah. It is the cross that calls us to deny ourselves daily, to take it up daily. That is that is why there's an enemy of the cross. It's because I have to deny myself. Wow. If I can ask, um, with you guys being in you know, ministry, what do you feel like is keeping people from discipling keeping people from making disciples or pe- keeping people from being discipled or from, um discipling people discipling i think it's a couple things number one i think it's they weren't discipled themselves mm-hmm. okay N- number two is i think it's this it's this pseudo uh false humility it might be a little bit mm-hmm. i mean to be too strong with it like, well, I'm, you know, I struggle like everybody else or, you know, and I'm just not, you know, I'm not perfect. And I would never say, you know, look to me because I still, well, yeah, like this is the whole, again, let going back to last week's passage, like let those of us who are mature think this way. Well, what was that? Hey, I've not, I've not obtained it yet. I'm not there, but we're getting what lies behind. I'm pressing on and it's like, come on. And I think that this is where you, you can't talk about this whole thing without talking about the necessity and centrality of the local church that the church is where disciples are to be made. And it's a bunch of people who have, who all need Jesus, who are trusting him, but who are also pressing on and going after Jesus and, and, and aren't afraid to say like, yeah, mm-hmm. come on, come on. So I think, I think those, um, I think those two things primarily, but again, I, I would kind of say the root of it is this epidemic, you know, that age that we live in where we've, we've consumer Christianity mm-hmm. is what we've grown up in, yeah. you know, where it's, you can come and get the product and just take it and consume the new teaching, the new women's Bible study, men's Bible study. And I'm thinking here like about, you know, like all the, the curriculum. I, I, well, I'm getting on another little soapbox here. I mean, guys, it, it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. And, and again, I want to give the right caveats. I, like praise God for the resources that we have, 
But do you understand the uniqueness of our time and place in history? Like that we to walk into a Christian bookstore or a Christian go to Christianbook.com or Amazon or Lifeway or whatever it is and just resource upon resource for every demographic of, you know, seventeen and eighteen year old boys or men who grew up without fathers. Like it, it could just be anything as nuanced to your demographic as that was a weird one. I, I'm making this up on the fly, but, but <laughs> I don't know what that, but like, like there's a Bible study or some sort of a curriculum perfectly tailored mm. just to where you're like, we have so much of this. And yet in large measure, we somewhat remain immature. Mm-hmm. Right? right. Is it well, fair to say that there's too many resources? It's fair to say that the resources aren't the problem. It's that the lack of discipleship is the problem. Mm-hmm. So, and we, and you can't, su- you can't replace discipleship like these types of relationships with people where you are known and where they know you, and and they actually see you up close and personal, like with what you know this lady Jess was talking about in her life. You can't replace that with with more curriculum. So, like if I'm lacking. I, I'm wandering into all sorts of analogies that I shouldn't do, but but like like so I'm like a medical analogy. Like if I lack vitamin C, I can't just like take a bunch of vitamin D and think that'll make up for it. No, like okay, my vitamin D is covered. Like great, okay, we got cricket, but we're lacking vitamin C. So you you have to replace that with with vitamin C. So or supplement that in some way. So yeah, yeah. I think one thing I would add to that. I, I don't disagree with any of that. I I, I would highly agree with it is that discipleship is also very personal and yeah. so people know you if you're discipling somebody they get to know you like you were talking about Jess and and if there's someone you know vice versa they they start knowing that person and so it it can be a little bit scary at times because you have to open yourself up and you have to be vulnerable and you know, as and and to be clear, no, I, I completely yeah. agree. This is a big one. As the disciple maker, absolutely, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, both sides of it. Yeah. You know, and I, I, there was a, there was an old Subaru commercial. I absolutely love this commercial. I've referenced it in servants numerous times. But like, um, it, it shows us this 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 woman, this girl, young woman, at a computer and saying, "Oh, I just feel so bad for my my parents. They don't have any friends. I, I've got like a thousand friends on on my social media account, and then and then." They split over to where their parents are, and they're in their Subaru, going out mudding with their like two two a couple, and they're woohoo, you know, and 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 this is the, this is the whole idea of it though. Like, there's this fakeness of like, oh, I got a thousand friends. Do you really have a thousand friends? No, not really. And our culture is one of the most loneliest cultures there is. And and, and I can get really started on a tangent here about, you know, just social media, like you're finding yourself worth in social media and you think that da, 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 people are lonely. They're looking for realness and they're, they're having a hard time finding it, but to be real, you have to also, also open yourself up. Yes. Yeah. And we don't like, and we don't, and we don't like that. No. And here's the, and then, and then it all, and it all comes full circle because, and why and why don't we like to open ourselves up? Because we never had that modeled for us. Mm-hmm. Correct. As well too. Now it's not an excuse nope. because the Bible's very clear on it. And that's why again I said it's like, okay, we can't just go, well, I wasn't discipled, so I don't need to do no no no. We gotta get back to the Bible, get back to the word of God. Again, but get back to these explicit commands to, you know, to seek these relationships out and to 
I'll be working on it. Any other thoughts on that? That was good. Okay. So I think I actually, that was a long rabbit trail, but not really a rabbit trail. That was an important trail. But back, back at the beginning, I, I did um, set it up with this kind of this contrast that exists in this passage that we never fully got to. So now we're at verse 20 <laughs> and the word but. And you see, again, um, if we're not discipled by the right people, we're going to be discipled by somebody. Um, we don't want to be discipled by those who walk as enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, God is their, whose God is their belly, who glory in their shame, and who have minds set on earthly things, which is um, just kind of, again, several summary statements that aren't necessarily fully synonymous, but they overlap. And then verse 20, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior. And this, and this is interesting language here, too, because, um, Matt, you made a great point before we started recording that it, it seems like the the language here is like with Jesus being our Savior is that we're waiting for him to save us from just this earthly stuff. Like Absolutely. Our citizenship is in heaven. But uh, but what did you say? We always Well, I, so many times I hear it, it preached in churches, you know, what are we being saved from? We're being saved from hell. Which is true. And, and which, yeah, absolutely is true. But there's there's more to it here. I mean, like, you know, this this earth is a fallen earth. This earth is imperfect. We we have Jesus who is perfection. Um, you know, I've I've used uh, this this kind of this quote. I'm going to say it off the top of my head, so I don't hope I don't screw it up. But for us as believers, this is the closest we'll ever get to hell. Yeah. But for the unbeliever, this earth is the closest they'll ever get to to God to heaven. Yeah. That's. Wow, right? Sobering. Yeah. yeah. Sobering. Very much so. Yeah, and so going back to the idea of discipleship is we want to follow people who also understand that their citizenship is in heaven and are awaiting the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and then he, he goes in here to some, you know, some very specific language, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body. Um, in terms of getting things, I don't know. I, I think some of this is in contrast to what he said in verse 19 with those who, whose mind is set on earthly things, glory and their shame, and whose God is their belly. Like, I think the idea here is just anything physical that might bring pleasure or help or, or, or whatever. But Paul's saying, look, our, this body, like, <laughs> I mean, man, I'm 42. Let me tell you. Exercising is hard. Losing weight is hard. <laughs> Dieting. I mean, I shouldn't complain. A lot of it is just self-discipline. My, I, I told my family last night, I told Hannah, I said, I 100% know why I can't lose weight. It is my love of cheese and pretzels. <laughs> Feel I, that. I, at, at, at 8.30 at night. It at could, 8, 8.30 at night specifically. Could be your Mountain Dew in front of you. That, 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 that's because, <laughs> listen, that's very rare. That is very rare. But I was dragging here this afternoon, and I needed, I needed to pick me up. But it is my love of cheese and pretzels um, at 8.30 at night specifically. Um, so, I don't even know why I brought that up. Anyway, but our body, our, the point is our bodies are... I think this was the point. <laughs> anyway, our our bodies are are lowly, especially as we as we get older, they're passing away. But Paul here gives this, and again, you think about Paul writing from a prison cell. Who knows? You know, had he had he been beaten, what you read about his uh, man that some of those summary statements he makes in the Book of Corinthians about you know being 
beaten with rods, shipwrecked, whipped, you know. I mean, left for, like at one point in the book of Acts, he's drug outside a city and left for dead. And he gets back up and goes like, like I can only imagine how much he's longing for this new body that's coming. Mm. Um, and so I think this 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 is very precious here. Um, have you guys seen oh, this guy on? He pops up in my YouTube feed all the time about he he allegedly is uh, reverse aging. He spends uh, two million dollars <laughs> a year on like doing this like red light therapy, and he takes like forty. I, I think it's like between forty and sixty supplements a day to try to like. And he and he allegedly his body like whatever they're testing it allegedly is reverse aging or whatever. I mean, he looks very scary. He does not look <laughs> healthy, but yeah. By the way. Anyway, probably shouldn't have wandered into this. But the point being is that our bodies are passing away, a hundred percent. But one of the hopes for the Christian, it's not the only hope, but is that we're going to get this new body um, by the power that enables him, Jesus to subject all things to himself. So whatever they might take from us in this earth, whether it be, you know, money, finances, um, pleasure of any sort, or or even just hurting our physical body, we're also going to be transformed. And again, our citizenship um, is not here. And we, we, uh, we can know this for certain, and we're to live in light of it. And then the connection down in verse, so down in, down in 4.1, <laughs> There's a therefore. Um, <laughs> when there's a therefore, you gotta ask. You gotta ask what it's there for. Boom! There you go. There you go. <laughs> right on cue, Julia. Good job. Um, but therefore, my brothers, whom I love and whom I long for, my joy and my crown. Here, here's the therefore. Stand firm. Stand firm. Thus in the Lord. Why do Why do we stand firm? Because our citizenship isn't here. Like uh, our our hope of heaven, and the new life that we will have there, including this glorious new body of some sort that I think is hard for us to fully imagine other than what the Bible, the information that the Bible gives us on it. Um, it it's that hope of heaven that that drives our strength and our ability to stand firm now. And so it's like heaven is not just this thing of like, like this little side issue or side theological conversation where it's like, well, you know, I guess we'll find out what it's like someday. The more we understand what it is and the hope laid up for us, the greater strength we gain in the here and now. And so to reverse engineer that when when we lack strength in the here and now, and many Christians do, and I know I know I do many times, it's because I've taken my eyes off of my citizenship that is in heaven. Um and I've grown weary in running the race because my eyes just aren't fixed there and I get yeah. fixed on earthly things. And maybe, yeah. and I also can wander into having my belly be my God and, you know, going after earthly things. What I love, uh, you brought 4-1 in, um, therefore, my brothers, you whom I love and long for my joy and crown. I, I look at that in um, all these similar language and other, like First Thessalonians, you know, he, he says, you're actually my crown. Um, you know, the Bible talks about crowns in heaven. I th I think one of the rewards we're going to have in heaven, not just the new bodies, but each other. <laughs> As we're discipling each other here on earth, going through hard stuff here on earth, there's a bond that, you know, binds us. And when we get the when we get to be with Jesus in full perfection with him, 
we're going to be there together after all this junk we walk through in this earth. And, you know, what, what a, what a privilege, but what a reward to have people that we've gone through the trenches of this warfare in this life together. Yeah. Yeah. And not just in a superficial way where we just, where we only meet together for just one hour a week on a Sunday morning, but to where we have shared lives of discipleship that are very much intertwined and interconnected and where we're constantly uh, calling one another forward to continue to run the race and remember where our citizenship uh, truly lies. So um, that will be it for this, uh, for this uh, uh, podcast episode. We hope that you have found it helpful. And uh, as always, we thank you for listening. Thank you.